a woman named Trudy Rosenfield was in very good spirits when she got on a plane in England and set off for sunny San Jose, California. She was going to visit her cousin there. There was only one problem. Uh, Trudy Rosenfield's travel agent put the elderly woman on the wrong connecting flight. So she made it to Newark, New Jersey, but then, instead of connecting to San Jose, California, she connected to San Jose, Costa Rica, and somehow didn't notice the difference. So she sat on the plane to Costa Rica and fell asleep, blissfully thinking she'd awake in sunny California. Well, when she didn't show up in California, her cousin was very concerned and went to the airline, and they figured it out pretty quick that Trudy was on her way to Costa Rica. So the airline was very good, and they decided to send someone to meet Trudy at the gate. Now imagine her shock when she got off the plane and met someone who said, ma'am, you think you're in California, but you are actually in Costa Rica. Thank goodness they were able to get her a hotel room there and put her on a flight to San Jose, California, the next day where she met her cousin. You think you're going to California, but you end up in Costa Rica. Well, a person could certainly do worse. That's not that bad of an exchange, I think. But I also think it's sort of a metaphor for the way life often turns out for us. We think we're going to end up somewhere in life, and we end up somewhere else, right? We think we're going to California, but we're shocked to end up in Costa Rica, and sometimes that's really disappointing. We think we're going to attend a certain college, and then our application is rejected. We think that we are going to have the same job until we retire, and then one day we get a pink slip. We think that we're going to enjoy good health throughout our life, and then we're diagnosed with a serious illness, a chronic condition. We thought we were going to California, we end up in Costa Rica, and this is very upsetting to us. And then one day, we come into church, and we hear this text read from Paul's letter to the Romans. If God is for us, then who can, we, who can be against us? And we think, are you kidding me? Do you know my situation? Do you know the detour that my life has taken? Who is against me? Life is against me. Friends, have you ever noticed how much weight we give to who or what is against us rather than who or what might be for us? When I was in college, my roommate ran for president of a social club. She wanted to win that election very badly. So on the day of the election, I arranged to meet her for dinner when I could hear the results and we could talk it through. And as soon as I saw her coming toward me, I, I looked at her face and thought, ah, she lost. She lost the election. However, I was wrong. She actually won the election, but she was still upset because it was a very close vote. She won by a very slim margin. Friends, never mind that she won the election. 
Never mind that she was going to get to serve as the president. Never mind that many people voted for her. She was fixated on those who did not. I once worked with a man who told me that when he was in college, a professor called him lazy and unlikely to succeed. Never mind that he became a successful lawyer. Every compliment he received about his work, he felt was somehow outweighed by that comment from that college professor so long ago. Friends, I've lost track over the years of the number of people who have told me that the disappointments in their life seem to permanently weigh them down, whether those disappointments are something like terrible personal loss or bullying in middle school. Some of us seem to believe that there's a giant scale in the universe, and all of these disappointments weigh so much that that scale is permanently tipped against us. Now, let's be honest. Everybody experiences disappointments in life. I know I have. Sometimes we end up in Costa Rica, and we really don't want to be there. And when that happens, it's natural to feel disappointed, to feel hurt, to feel angry, to feel pain, to feel resentment, and it's also natural to feel that we need to express those emotions. In fact, many times it's essential that we express those emotions to someone as a first step towards our healing. But oh my goodness, friends, we must be on guard against forever ripping the Band-Aid off of the wound. Do you know what I mean? Getting caught in cyclical thinking, negative patterns of thinking, revisiting disappointments again and again and again, ruminating on them. That's what psychologists call that. Ruminating on them, because if we do that, that pattern, you see, can get us so caught up in it that we can get stuck, and it can hijack our life. You know, when I was a kid, there was a house around the corner from me that stood out from all the rest in the neighborhood because it just looked like it needed some love. There was really no yard. It was just kind of stubby weeds, and the house needed paint. It was always closed up, you know. Not a ray of light was allowed into that house. And holidays came and went, and there was... No sign of, of joy there. It had one of those glass storm doors on the front. You know what I'm talking about? And there was a big sign taped there that said, no soliciting. In all the years I lived there, I never saw the, the woman who lived in that house ever smile or wave at a neighbor, greet anybody. But when I was in the seventh grade and tasked with the wonderful job of selling wrapping paper for the junior high band, I got up the courage to go knock on that storm door and ask her if she would buy some for me. I was just going down the block, and I thought, well, why not? So I knocked on her storm door, and she came to the door, and she opened the inside door just a crack, and I held up my trusty wrapping paper order form and said, I'm from the junior high band. Would you please buy some to support us? And she pointed at the no soliciting sign. Undeterred, I said, please, we really need your help. 
And she scowled and said very morosely, no one in this house gives any gifts. Now, friends, I was in the seventh grade and didn't know how to read a room at that time. So I really didn't recognize when a conversation was going nowhere. And I said, oh, please, ma'am, maybe you could find something else to do with the wrapping paper. And she closed the door in my face. I went home and I told my mom about it, and my mother said to me, well, you have to feel sorry for the woman who lives in that house. She's very bitter and angry because years and years ago, her husband left her, and then her two children grew up and moved away, and she lives all alone. I thought that was sad. But as I've grown older, I thought perhaps it was sadder that because of these disappointments in her life, I'm sure things didn't turn out for her the way she expected. She got stuck. She became bitter and angry. And that disappointment, you see, it hijacked her life. My friends, if there was anyone in all of Holy Scripture, perhaps, who could have ended up bitter and angry and spiritually stuck, I think it was the Apostle Paul. Because, you see, Paul imagined himself spreading the gospel all over the world, and although he did travel a bit, y'all probably know, he suffered tremendous hardship, unbelievable disappointment. He was shipwrecked. He was jailed. He was beaten with rods. He was run out of town on a rail. He was shouted down, he was made fun of, he had traveling companions, people that he trusted abandoned him, and yet, and yet, the Apostle Paul, despite all of those disappointments, did not just persevere in his life, but he actually seemed to live it fully, with appreciation and even joy. How did he do that? What was his secret well, my friends, I think Paul focused on who was for him rather than who was against him. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Paul faced disappointment with wholeness and in spiritual health because he always focused on who was for him, not who or what was against him. Paul says God is indisputably for us. The cross tells us that because he sent his own son for us. And Paul doesn't say it in this passage, but we know the reality is God himself came to us in Jesus Christ. That great love is our security, now and forevermore. It can never be taken away from us, friends. Whether we end up in Costa Rica or Death Valley, God is with us. He is for us. He wants to help us, and he will if we will let him. That great love will fill us up and strengthen us and carry us. 
no matter what detour life takes. If God is for us, then who can be against us? I'll close with this. You know I love my job. I really do. I love being a pastor. And one of the things I love most about it is all the people I get to meet on the way, wonderful people like you. In a former church, I was privileged to know a woman named Barbara Jones. Barbara was one of the most faithful disciples of Jesus Christ I've ever run across. She was brilliant and wise and loving and generous and encouraging and positive. She raised four children while at the same time becoming a licensed family therapist, and she helped many people who ended up in their own personal Costa Rica deal with those disappointments in a healthy way. And then one day, Barbara experienced her own tremendous disappointment. She was scheduled for a routine back surgery. She went in for a final MRI to prepare for that operation, and her doctors discovered advanced lung cancer. She was shocked. We all were. Barbara took really good care of herself, and she didn't smoke, and she didn't have any risk factors, and yet there it was, and it was a terminal condition. I know she was disappointed. I know she was upset. I know she was scared. She had so much life she still wanted to live. She had grandchildren she wanted to be with. She did not see her life turning out that way. She couldn't believe it. And yet, and yet, Barbara Jones always remembered who was for her. And she leaned into that for the rest of her earthly life. And she continued to bless people until her dying breath. During one of my very last visits with her before she died, she said to me, you know, Holly, life is hard, but God is good. I've never forgotten that. Life is hard, but God is good. You see, she knew that God didn't give her cancer or will that to happen to her in any way. She also knew that God was always for her. And she clung to that love and the victory she knew she would know in her Savior, Jesus Christ. And she continued to love and care and offer counsel to the end. You know, I would go to see her and she would pray for me. And she could really pray up. She was such a blessing. Talk about someone who ended up where they didn't think they would ever be. And yet, she never forgot that God was for her. My friends, I know that disappointments come. That's part of being human. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, my life has taken a detour that I do not like, I'm not just in Costa Rica, I am in Death Valley. Take heart. Remember always who is for you, the creator of the universe, the one who loves you most of all the one who sent his only son to die on the cross for us, the one in whom we know victory, that one is for you. Cling to that, because there is nothing more important. If God is for us,
and who can be against us? Nothing, says Paul, in this world or the next can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks for although disappointments come, you are always with us. Help us to remember, O Lord, that you, the creator of all, are truly for us and with you we can make it through. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.